I'd say that our story of faith was a very rocky road. Um, before I met Stephen, there was a lot of things that happened that has definitely made my faith a little bit of a roller coaster. A lot of loss, grief, heartache, and uh, for lack of a better term, blame towards God. Blamed him for most anything and everything that I possibly could. We have a very interesting story on how we ended up together. Blind date and then engaged a week and a half later. When we met, we we both knew, and it's been now 14 years. Literally our first date. I, I was only 19, but I just kind of like laid it all out there. And one of the big things was due to being assaulted when I was 13, that I may never have children. I grew up as a Baptist. I did grow up in church. Um, I even, I went through confirmation. Never lost faith. It was kind of like a 50-50 relationship. We probably didn't really try to find a church per se until we moved to Pittsburgh. I was out of my faith, had no intentions on going back. At the time, just for lack of a better term, I didn't care. You know, it was about me and only me and what was going to best suit me. Like I said, the doctor said we never have kids. And then um, I just had this, I just had a feeling to to take a test. I did, it was positive, took another one. It took like six, you know. The push to get back into church and stuff definitely happened after finding out we were having not only one child, but two when we weren't supposed to. Can I give a shout out to Christina? She is the reason why, because she would see me at the college and she was like, you just need to go to my church. You just need to go. I'll save you a seat. You know, you're coming on Sunday. So telling Stephen, hey, we're going to go try out a church. My biggest fear and the thing that I've experienced most and the things that have always turned me off from church is being judged. As soon as you walk in the door, you see those eyeballs roll down upon you and look down at you like, why are you here? I know what you are, who you are, what you've done or what you've said, whatever. Yeah. I came with her for my first time here. I had no intentions on this working out. Ah, boy, was I wrong. Your first experience day one here? Oh, nervous. Just, I'll get out nervous. Just waiting for that that one thing, as I was saying about being judged, waiting on that one set of eyeballs to come down on me in a way that I, that I didn't see fit. I can still say to this day now, being here for going on six years. I still to this day don't feel I've been judged by anybody here. One thing that as far as how my faith has grown or definitely came to light is I was either told or believed that showing weakness in public was like, you don't do that. I wouldn't put my hands up, but one day they, you know, they went up during worship because it was like one of those barriers one of those walls that you'd have to knock down um but then i started crying during worship i would get so mad because there was nothing i could do about it i would get so i was like happy and sad at the same like mad at the same time and it was ridiculous you know i had my head down and that was before you know i had tore down some personal boundaries myself and you know said my prayer quietly and everything else and went to pull my head up and everything else and 
I couldn't. My head would not move. And I just felt this wave of uh, just clarity is the best way of putting it. It's an amazing feeling. It really is. I hope more people come to get that same feeling. Because there's nothing like it in the world. There's not a there's not an illegal drug, there's not a substance you can take that can substitute the feeling whenever you know that Jesus has touched you in a way that nothing in this material world can do. And that would be my story of faith. Yeah, that's so good. I, I just feel prompted to pray right now uh, for that very thing, that if you want to touch from the, from God today like that, that that you know that you know that he came and he met with you here, uh, that I want to pray for that today. So if you have a pinky or a hand to stick up or a head to bow uh, or even just stand in place, whatever, let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I thank you and I praise you, God, that you come to meet with your people that you come to meet with each individual sitting in a seat here today, God, watching online today, now, or in the future. Thank you, God, that you're coming to meet with us. And just like Stephen testified that there's nothing like it in this world when we know that you have come to meet with us. God, I pray that you would see the hunger. I know you see the hunger and desire in our hearts, God. God, I thank you for removing the barriers. Thank you for removing the barriers today that's keeping us from, from, experience, from experiencing your presence coming down in each and every heart today, God. Thank you, God, that you're moving in a special way, even now, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Good morning. My name is Carrie Fess, and um, I'm one of the pastors here on staff, and I have the privilege of uh, sharing the gospel with you this morning, and I'm really excited about that. First, I want to say something that the Lord was sharing to me this week, um, and it relates to his joy that you're in his house today. Um, when I get the privilege of kind of just saying good morning uh, from the worship team um, in the middle of the stage and saying, hey, let's, let's have our call to worship. That's what we call it, our call to worship. And uh, when that happens, um, the Holy Spirit has been faithful now for a while to... Give me this picture of his delight that you're here. You. You know, sometimes it's wonderful to take these kinds of encouragements as a whole, but I want today for our hearts to hear that he's talking to you. And so he gives me this picture in my mind that my body would express like this. And he's drawing us in. I know that was a little awkward for some of you. <laughs> but he's drawing you in to him each and every time you show up. And did you know this? That your showing up to church is your bodily act of worship. <laughs> he has such joy and delight that you would lay aside other priorities that you would say, you know what, I've got lots of things to do and lots of people to talk to and lots of rest that I need and fun to be had, but I am going to lay that aside to come to the house of the Lord and gather with his people to worship his name, to receive of his word, and he delights in that. 
And sometimes we show up feeling like it has been a whole lot of work for us to get here. And we feel dry and weary. And the Lord wants you to know that even though you may have shown up because you have to, because it's the right thing to do, because there's a checkbox you have to mark off to feel good about being a Christian, he wants you to know that your act of showing up (laughs) is the place that's all he needs to know that your desire and your faithfulness is toward him. And he sees your faithfulness to him even when you don't feel faithful. And so he just wants to encourage you with that this morning. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Also, it is a delight for us to who serve on the platform. I'll only speak for those people because those are the ones I normally talk with. But all of us who serve here at Faith Church, it's always a delight to be with you. Well, we've been talking about being radiant people. And today we're going to talk about our radiant identity. So if you want to start, get a head start of me and go to Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to read some scripture there. Pastor Matthew has clearly and with detail and with uh, sufficient study, (laughs) proficient study, uh, shown us the context that we live in currently as uh, believers and as unbelievers. We live in a supernatural world, a world that is both natural and spiritual. So let's go to Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to hone in on verses 14 and 15, but I want to start by rereading, starting in verse 10 of chapter 6, so that we can pick up again on the theme that Paul is teaching us about here. So it says this, if you're, if you're with me, a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Those are three different places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor, so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then, after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness for shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news that, which is otherwise referred to as the gospel so that you will be fully prepared. You know, we live in a supernatural world and the forces of evil are pressing against us, but God is greater. We belong. We are children of Yahweh and we belong to him. We belong to him. While I am finishing my statements, I want to go ahead and give you uh, a little bit of a heads up. Turn back a few pages to Ephesians chapter one, since we're all using our Bibles. I haven't preached since we haven't been putting the scriptures on the screen. So I'm trying to make sure I give time for people (laughs) to look it up. Ephesians chapter one, we're going to go there because Ephesians chapter one is telling us the context for Ephesians chapter six. Okay, so when we're studying scripture, we want to make sure that if we're reading like the end of the book, that we actually know what the beginning of the book says, who it's to, why it's there, what it's for. And what's important here as we look at the armor of God, the belt of truth, the armor of God, the the body armor of God's righteousness and the shoes that come from the good news of the peace of the gospel 
that we go back and we look at who we are in Christ and why Paul would tell us to put these things on. So when we see who we belong to and who we are because of Christ, we can hold our ground against the enemy. Today we're looking at how our radiant identity is our spiritual warfare. Our radiant identity is our spiritual warfare. So what is our radiant identity? Let's start with talking about this. Radiant people confidently trust in the truth, our belt of truth, that we are united with Christ. We confidently trust that we, in the truth, that we are united with Christ. So let's read Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 3. I'm going to try not to read too fast because we're going to cover a lot of scripture today. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. He has blessed you with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Underline that. Every time you see we are united with Christ, however it says it in your translation, I want you to underline that. This is who you are as a believer in Christ. You are united with Christ. And so while we've talked about this battleground that we're in, this supernatural world where evil is pressing up against us, we are not standing in some muddy uh, field or some barren desert all alone, but we are united with Christ. And that is who we are. So verse four, even before he made the world. Wow. God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Some we're, I think sometimes we're afraid of holiness because, well, maybe a lot of times. Does anybody want to admit to that? You don't have to raise your hand. But sometimes you're like, wow, holiness is like a thing that's unattainable. So here's the thing. We're holy because we've been called by his name. <laughs> he said we're holy. And because we know our name, we live in holiness toward him because holiness draws us into his character. <laughs> That's why in Deuteronomy, when it says you will be holy because I'm holy, he's not saying get your act together, start behaving right. What he's saying is my name is on you and my name is holy. And so you are holy. And it's, we're going to look today at why that's true and how the gift of Jesus is actually what makes us holy and how we actually receive that. Now, here's the thing. Um, we want to do things to prove our goodness, our holiness. I've talked about this before, probably because it's a core issue in my life. And so we continually must lay our lives down and are working before him if we're going to live in holiness. I told my husband last night, this Ephesians chapter one, verse four, I, I feel like I could stay in this verse, contemplating it, meditating on it for like the rest of my life. And it would still be revealed. The Holy spirit would still be revealing truth. So I want you guys to go back and read that later today. Uh, because before the world, God loved us and chose us and called us to be holy and without fault in his eyes, without fault in his eyes. He's the one that said that about us in verse five, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family. 
by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. You belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. I'm reading, I'm going to slow down even more because here's the thing. We just need to sit under the truth of God's word. I can say a lot of words, but I'd rather say God's words. God, verse nine, God has now revealed to us in his mist. Let me start over. God has now revealed to us his mysterious will regarding Christ, which is to fulfill his own good plan. And this is the plan at the right time. He will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. This is talking about the battle. So we're currently in the battle, but he's bringing everything under the authority of Christ. That's the plan. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, there's another place to underline, we have received an inheritance from God, for he chose us in advance, and he makes everything work out according to his plan. I love that Paul repeats himself a lot, because I repeat myself too. Makes me feel better. God's purpose was that we Jews, Paul is writing as a Jewish man to Jewish people and also Gentiles. God's purpose was that we Jews who were first to trust in Christ would bring praise and glory to God. His purpose is that his people would bring praise and glory to God. That's the call of our lives, to bring praise and glory to God. This is how, you know, we sing that song. This is how we fight our battles. That's what they're talking about. Sometimes we don't get to all the words of the song that actually describe what we're saying when we say, this is how I fight my battle. What we're talking about is we stand in the place of bringing praise and glory to God by the way of Jesus because we're united with Christ. And that causes us to be clothed in clothes that bring praise and glory to him. Verse 14, the spirit is God. Oh, no, I missed something. Let's go back. Verse 13. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth. That's us. The good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his very own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. The spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. I want to tell you today, the belt of truth is the truth that we are united with Christ. And everything in our lives, our battle ground, we're, we stand firm in the ground that Christ has set us on, which is our salvation, by putting on the belt of truth that says, I am united with Christ. We, the church, and you, the church, are united with Christ. And this truth holds all other things in our lives together. <laughs> it's such good news. It's such good news. This is how we stand firm in battle. We've talked about the enemies pressing in. Let's talk today about how do we stand our ground. Number two, 
Radiant people are clothed in Christ's righteousness, not their own good deeds or intentions. It says to put on the body armor of God's righteousness. Now, how do I, I mean, righteousness, how do I, how do I get that? Let's go to Philippians chapter three. The scripture tells us there's no one righteous, but Jesus, no, not one. But it also tells us that he has given us the gift of his righteousness. So by that we take, I don't have to have my own righteousness. I actually need the righteousness of Christ. Philippians chapter three, we're going to go to first, oh, the second part of uh, verse three. And it says this, we rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. We put no confidence in human effort. Though I could have, this is Paul again, though I could have confidence in my own effort, if anyone could. Indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. I was circumcised when I was eight days old and I have pure blooded, wait, and I am a pure blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin. He's being real sarcastic here. Okay. I mean, these are true things. A real Hebrew, if there ever was one, I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Do we see the picture Paul's trying to paint here? He's trying to clothe himself in his own righteousness. But now he considers that worthless (laughs) because of what Christ has done. Verse 8, yes, yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. Paul's giving us a clue here. If you want to get dressed up in your own righteousness, if you want to fight and stand your ground against the enemy, if you want to live in your salvation by your own works, your own goodness, your own pedigree. I have a pretty long pedigree myself. I can't think, I do not know a generation before me in my family on either side that we're not followers of Jesus. That's a pretty long pedigree. (laughs) I only know to my great-grandparents. But I will tell you this, if I'm going to stand on that, I'm going to lose my ground. If I'm going to stand on the fact that my church saw fit to make me a pastor in this house and I'm just going to take that on as, as my uh, battleground area, like, you know, I'm some sort of superstar or some sort of person who has something better than somebody else, I'm going to lose my ground because the place we stand is in the righteousness of Christ. We stand in the righteousness of Christ. And that's our body armor. That's what protects our hearts from being lifted up in pride, from being taken out by fear of of what other people are going to think. That's what protects us, is the righteousness of Christ. And you have the body armor of the righteousness of Christ so that you can stand your ground and hang on to and keep, keep. I don't want to say hang on to. That sounds a little bit desperate. And in Christ, we have strength 
to live as he's called us to live. Let me find where I was. Number or verse eight. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous. You're going to have to underline this part. I become righteous through faith in Christ. We're going to have to get over the fact that we want to pay for our righteousness. (laughs) We want to earn it. We want to prove it. Because here's what it is. Through faith in Christ, my loyal allegiance to Jesus my wholehearted devotion to him and the price that he paid so that I would even be able to have loyalty to him. It's all on him. It's all in him for God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him sharing in his death so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. When Paul says, I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, I just want to say, some of you are suffering, maybe today. Maybe somebody has an element of suffering in your life. I want to encourage you, the Holy Spirit wants to encourage you to lean in and know who Jesus is as a suffering savior. There's an element of knowing Jesus that comes when we are in hard times, when we are being pressed, when we're in pain, when we've been abandoned, when we don't know how we're going to make it, when we feel like, and we could embrace hopelessness. There's a part of our savior that we can come to know in those places like we can't know in the place of victory. That's why Paul says, I want to know him. Either way, whether it's all victory or there's victory in suffering, I just want to experience Christ and his resurrection. And I thank you, Lord, for giving us hearts like this. Let's read Ephesians chapter 2. I'm reading a lot of scripture today. Radiant people are clothed in Christ's righteousness, not their own good deeds or intentions. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 2. Paints a picture of our before and after. It says this in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. This is who we were. (laughs) There's nobody else. There's nobody that didn't qualify in that. This was the description of who we were dead, dead in sin, being ruled by the devil, the spirit at work in the hearts 
of those who refuse to obey God. Verse 3, all of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. We didn't know any better. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger like everyone else. Why does it say that? Because (laughs) there is wrath for sin. There is punishment on sin, but here's the good news, okay? But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved, for he raised us from the dead along with Christ. Christ is the one who suffered, and yet we have received the gift of life. I think this is really important too, that we understand this. We must also identify with the fact that we were dead in sin. If we are going to recognize the wealth of God's kindness toward us, we must also recognize our inability to raise ourselves from the dead. We must also recognize that we were dead and buried in sin. Incapable of living in this dark world, standing our ground. We could not do it. But God is so rich in mercy (laughs) that through his son, Jesus, he gave us life while we were dead. While we were dead, he gave us life. And this is he raised us from the dead along with Christ. And then he seated us with him in the heavenly realms, because, again, we are united with Christ. (laughs) It's so good. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. I would say that Paul really, really, really wants us to understand that we're united with Christ Jesus. I mean, this is four times in two chapters, at least, that he said, we are united with Christ. You... Can we just say this together? Can we say together, I am united with Christ? Let's say it together. If you're a follower of Jesus, follow after me. I am united with Christ. Hallelujah. We believe it, Lord. Now let's turn to Romans chapter 5. I'm literally just reading the gospel in the scriptures to you today. Over and over and over again. I figure again, if it's in the New Testament this many times, it's good for us to sit in the house of the Lord together and let it pour over our hearts and over our minds. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. Romans chapter 5. We're going to start in verse 12. We actually just read this in communion. Praise the Lord. He's such a good coordinator. When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone. Again, we got to recognize we were under death, and everyone sinned. Yes, people sinned even before the law was given, but it was not counted as sin because they were not yet any law to break. Still, everyone died. Because of sin, death happens. So all died. Still, everyone died from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even those who did not disobey an explicit commandment of God, as Adam did. Now, Adam is a symbol, a representation of Christ, who was yet to come. But 
There is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many. That's all of us, all humanity. But even greater is God's wonderful grace. Greater means more powerful. It doesn't mean like, oh, it's more gooder. It's a happier thing. It means it is more powerful. It is bigger than, it is able to overcome. It is heavier than, it's weightier than. It, may, it, it overpowers, right? It overpowers. God's gift overpowers Adam's sin, our sin. Wow. Thank you, God. But God, even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. Verse 16, and the result of God's gracious gift is very different from the result of that one man's sin. For Adam's sin led to condemnation, but God's free gift leads to our being made right with God. Even though we are guilty of many sins, for the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness for all who receive it. You guys, this is mind-blowing. For all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. That is good news. This is the good news that the world needs. In conversations with people, with my kids, talking about some of the broken things of the world. They're sad. They make you upset. They confuse you. (laughs) They make you a little angry or a lot. This is the good news that we carry. It's not a wonder. It should not surprise us that dead people are experiencing death, decay, that the world is broken when we are living around death. We are living around people lost in sin. But this truth does not make us pompous. It does not make us arrogant. It actually causes us to live in a humility that says, wow, I am clothed in the righteousness of Christ. And there is hope for the world because there was hope for me. Our own recognition of our need for the, to be clothed and put on the breastplate of righteousness and stand in this dark world, as it says in chapter six of Ephesians, to stand in this dark world with our belt of truth, uni, uni, with our unity with Christ and our body armor of the righteousness of Christ is not a stance against the human people of the world still in sin and death. It is a stance against, it is the way we hold ground against the enemy who is not only pressing against us, but is pressing against those in the world who are still without Christ. And so our armor, so our stance, so what Jesus has done for us is actually producing within us a great compassion and a great love for the people around us. Instead of complaining or griping, in your, even if it's just in your own mind, turn your eyes to Jesus and begin to ask him to move 
in people's lives, in our government, in our world, because he hears our prayers because we are united with him. Number three, we stand firm by being prepared with the peace that comes from knowing the good news. Isn't that interesting? (laughs) Paul's talking about you're in a spiritual battle. There's evil forces coming against you. And he says, get the shoes of peace on and so you can stand firm. So we stand firm on our ground through peace. Peace. The peace of the gospel. And this is the truth. Radiant people stand in peace with God and other people by the blood of Christ. He himself is our peace. Let's read that together in Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to go to verse 14. I know your screen says to start in 11. Let's go to verse 14. Actually, back up. Let's go to verse 12. In the days that you were living apart from Christ, you were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel. He's again talking to Gentiles. And you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. This is the world we live in, people without Jesus. Can somebody take on the compassion of Jesus for the people of this world? He came while we were still sinners. And I think we're going to be very compelled very compelled by his spirit to love people right where they are when we realize that we were without God and hope in the world. Let's keep reading. But now you, again, have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near through the blood of Jesus. Through the blood of Jesus. We sang about that today. Verse 14, for Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. Let's go to verse 17. He, Jesus, brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away from him and peace to the Jews who were near. Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. Radiant people stand in peace with God and other people by the blood of Jesus. See, we like to have good feelings about things to be at peace, right? We want to feel good about it. We want to hear the apology we deserve. We want to get paid back for the ways that people have treated us wrongly. We want to hold them accountable to our standards and the way that we intend to live, but then hold them to the standard by which they actually live. (laughs) I know we've heard that before. But it can't, it's very true of human nature. But here in the word of God, we see a different standard. That my peace with God has only come because the blood of Jesus 
washed me clean of my sins. And that their peace with God has come by the same blood. And that our peace has come by the same blood. And so when I am around a brother or sister in Christ, or even someone in the world, in the world, even someone who is not following Jesus, when I view them through the blood, I now have peace. <laughs> wow, that's good. I mean, I'm not amen in myself. I'm amen. <laughs> I just, you know, you, how you sometimes have those aha moments or something that's just like aha in my, in my, but when I get on the lens, the rose colored glasses, if you will, of the blood of Jesus, and I take in the people around me and even people far off. I mean, I don't know some of the people that we might consider our enemies, um, personally, but when I view them in my mind by the blood of Jesus, there is a resulting peace because it's by the blood of Jesus that I have peace with God and I have peace with people. And it's not dependent on the way they treat me. It's not dependent on the way I feel about them. And my feelings will change as I view them through the blood of Jesus. Let's turn to Romans 5, if you're not already there. God is not sitting on his throne with skepticism about the number of people who will come to him. He is generously and lovingly extending peace to all people at the cost of his, the blood of his own son, Jesus. Here's the thing. If you don't have peace with God today, God is not sitting up there going like, yeah, when are you going to come to me? I'll just watch you mess around for a while, mess up your life, mess up some other people's lives. God, no, he, he's not a skeptic. God is not a skeptic. Somebody needs to hear that. I need to hear that today. God is not a skeptic. He did not send Jesus with some sort of like arrogant thought that nobody's actually going to respond to it because they're just so bad off. Because he made all the way all the provision for us to actually respond with wholehearted repentance and then wholehearted love and devotion to him. He made the way for that. I want to start in Romans 5, uh, 1. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God. Because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. The gospel is the good news that God has made a way for human beings to have peace with him. God has made the way. We sang that this morning too. He made a way for me, right? He made a way. I love that part of that song. I sing it super loud <laughs> because he made a way. He made peace. 
he extended himself to us. He made a way for human beings to have peace with him and to become his partners in bringing back to God as many as will come. So we put on the shoes of peace to be prepared to stand in, stand our ground, not be robbed by the dark forces pressing around us, not be tricked into giving up our salvation, not be tricked into giving up our love for God, our love for other people, not be tricked into forgetting the gospel that we're dressed in his sufficiency, that he's provided it all. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's stand together right now. Just begin to ask the Holy Spirit to talk to us. We stand our ground in the truth that we're united with Christ. We stand our ground clothed in the righteousness of Christ. And we stand firm, immovable off of these truths because we've put on the shoes of peace. Peace is our standing. Peace is our standing with God. We have peace with God. So while you may may picture as we talk about a spiritual battle, you may picture some scene where you're by yourself and you're working really hard and you're straining and all of these things. We are united with Christ and we stand in peace. We have peace even though we're in a battle because victory is coming. And what we get to do is stand our ground so that the people who have yet to come to Christ can be reconciled to God through our standing, through the blood of Jesus, through the witness of our stand in Christ. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Let's just ask the Holy Spirit what he's saying to us specifically today. Maybe he wants to talk to you about something specific. I'm sure he does. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Come and talk to us. Jesus, we thank you for the identity that's been provided by your sacrifice. Father, we thank you that it was your good plan to adopt us, to call us your own, even before the foundation of the world, your word says, because you loved us, because it gave you pleasure to love us. I pray today that we would live in the identity of these truths that when we feel the press we remember the truth we remember the righteousness we remember the peace 
We stand our ground in security and confident trust in you. And we extend our hand to those struggling around us as brothers and sisters in Christ. And we extend our hand to the world who has yet to come, but desperately is seeking the truth. And we thank you, God, for making our lives, giving us peace with you and giving us peace with people. We stand in these truths today. Thank you, Holy Spirit you're softening our hearts towards you and toward people. Thank you, God, today that you are igniting a desire for your word like we've never had before. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for revealing Jesus. Thank you, Father, for leading us in the way that you created us to live. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name, we pray these things. Amen. Amen. Hey, this morning, if you would like some prayer, we have a team right over here at our prayer spot that's ready to pray for you. If you don't know Jesus, but today you want to say yes to Jesus, you can meet with our prayer team. You can meet with one of uh, me or our pastor. Well, really anybody probably sitting around you to pray through that. And we want to, we want to walk with you to Jesus, to a relationship with Jesus where you can live at peace with God. So praise the Lord. Let's read together today our prayer, our blessing over one another. You ready? The Lord Amen. Amen. Thank you guys for coming today. Hey, love on some people around you before you rush out the door and uh, we'll see you next week. I really hope today's message was life-giving. As a church, we want to help you encounter God and take another next step in your allegiance to Jesus. I want to ask you to take a step right now, in fact. Would you just share this message with a friend? Maybe post it on your social, text a coworker the link, Just be sure to include something that you learned or how it impacted you personally. When you do that, you get to be a part of seeing faith come to life in someone else. And don't forget to visit our central hub, faithchurchks.org. You'll find other next steps that you can take in your faith, including giving and partnership with us as we help others encounter Jesus like you've encountered him. Hey, we love you. And until we get to hang out again, remember, Don't shrink back from your faithful allegiance to King Jesus.